It was about a couple of weeks ago, a friend called me up. He's a pastor in another state. And he called me up and he said, Ed, would you pray with me? I said, of course. What can I pray for you? He said, well, we just found out that my wife uh, has breast cancer. And so she's going to have to go through a battery of tests. She's going to have to get some help. But we're real scared. Would you pray for us? And so we prayed and hung up the phone. And I thought to myself, how? I think to myself now, how interesting. She was taking care of grandchildren, cleaning up the dishes, having relationships with other people, and yet there was something inside of her that was killing her while she was eating her veggies, having a soda, doing life regularly. When she found out that she had cancer, she aggressively sought help. Because she knew that either the cancer would exist or her life would exist. But the two couldn't coexist. Today, we're going to talk about what has been called the cancer of the soul, unforgiveness, bitterness. We're going to speak about something that might reside in you, and you go, but it's not affecting me. I still take care of the grandchildren. I still wash the dishes. I still have relationships. It doesn't control me, but I'm telling you, the Bible is going to give you a diagnosis today that either the cancer of your soul, unforgiveness, will exist, or you will live. I can tell you that in a community like this, just in our interactions with one another, you're going to need to practice forgiveness. This is never more needed anywhere in the world than in the church, because in the church we claim to live and do life with one another. You know what happens when you get to know me real close, right? I upset you. I hurt your feelings. You upset me. You hurt my feelings. So we've got to get this lesson down. If we don't get this lesson down, it will be a cancer in our soul. It will poison our relationships. It will keep us from the marriages that we long for, the relationships with our kids we wish we had, the friendships that we wish would keep on going, it will keep us from the very joy that we seek if we do not deal with the bitterness of our soul. I know that some of you right now, you're in your marriages, and you, right? You're going to cook the same food that you cook, and it's bitterness in your soul. And you're going to Wash the same dishes that you wash, and there's bitterness in your soul. You're going to get the kids ready for bed, and there's bitterness in your soul. People at your job, they won't be able to look at you and see it, and yet there will be a sense where bitterness starts to take over, starts to take rule, starts to take control of your life. I have better hopes for you, Recovery House of Worship. You don't have to be controlled by your bitterness. You don't have to have bitterness 
eat away at your soul till there's none of you left. So we're going to talk about something super important for your relationships, for your family, for your work environment, for your own soul. I need you to be really, really focused. And today, as we look at the Apostles' Creed, it's a series that we're in, we came to believe. We're going to talk about, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I want you to, with an open heart and with an open mind, listen to what God's word would have to say to us about forgiveness. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me! He demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had the same mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's the word of God. I want you to see something at the very end of this passage. It's the very last sentence. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, some of us might look at that and say, are you saying that the precondition to be forgiven is that I forgive everyone? No, that's not what the scriptures are saying. The scriptures are saying that you will be, you really will be known by your fruit. That fruit suggests root. Here's what I mean by that. That you and I, in, 
in our lives will have to necessarily seek to forgive those who have harmed us. And if we can't forgive them, we are just as insane looking to God as this man was to the king. In every parable, there's someone who represents God and someone who represents me. Whenever you read a parable, here's what you should read. <clears throat> Don't try to get every single detail out of a parable. It's not the point. Have you ever done this? Like where you try to give somebody an example and, they, you know, it's, it's like this, and you give them an illustration, and they pick a part of your illustration that has nothing to do with your point, but it just it, it helps their argument. You're like, that, that's not the point. I'm talking about this, right? So God doesn't want you to do that with his word. When it comes to a parable, a parable is a big idea, and there's a, there's a real big idea that God wants you to know. And there's going to be someone who represents God and someone who represents me. Let me ask you. In this parable, who represents God? Anybody know? No, 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 in the parable. Yeah, Jesus is, okay, all right. If you haven't come in, I've told this church a thousand times that whenever I ask you a question, the right answer is always Jesus. Yeah, right, and so, uh, with the exception of this one, look at the parable, okay? Jesus is still the right answer, but we're looking at the passage, okay? So, okay, so who's the person who represents God in this parable? Anybody know? It's the master. It's the one with all the authority. It's the one with all the finances. It's the one with all the... Also, he's the one who's been, who's been taken advantage of the most. This man... Now, if that guy represents God, who represents you and me? Which servant? The first one the first servant. We are not the heroes of this story. We look at this within its context, and we see a master who is benevolent, a kind master, a master willing to forgive even the most unspeakable debt. Now, here's the deal. I don't, nobody really knows how much money um, 10,000 bags of gold is. But if you think North of a billion dollars, you have a good idea of what this guy owed. North of a billion dollars. But let's be real, real conservative and just say 100 million. Let's cut it by a tenth, uh, by, by 90%. Let's just say 100, 10% of that billion. A hundred million dollars. You and I come to God with our guilt and with our shame and with our dirty, with our nasty, with the things that we've done in the past that have not only ruined others, that have ruined us and have, have been an affront to God. That's how we come to God. And when we come to God with that, we go to him and we say this, we say something preposterous. I'll make it up to you. I'll be good from now on. I don't know how your prayers were. God, if you get me out of this one, I swear I will never do it again. I don't know how your prayers go. My prayers are very similar to that. My prayers are very similar to this man right here. 
listen, listen, listen. If, if you give me time, I'll make it up to you. And God looks at us and goes, baby, listen, a hundred million. A hundred million. Now think about this. Think about this. When was the last time? Let's, 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 let's add up all the money that every person that's listening to me right now, let's add up all the money that we've ever made for our entire life. And let's see if that gets anywhere near 10 million, 10% of the 10% that we talked about in the billion dollar bet, in the billion dollar issue. It wouldn't be $10 million. It wouldn't, it probably, it might not even be $1 million, guys, honestly. This is, we can't put our minds around this number. Until you see yourself like this, forgiveness will be impossible for you. The thing that keeps us from forgiving others is that we think we are debtless and that others are in debt to us. And that whenever anybody brings up our debt, we have excuses and reasons for it. And yet, isn't that an interesting principle of unforgiveness? It's like this, and you've seen this in your own marriage, maybe in your own relationships. When my wife sins against me, it is unforgivable. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. Must have been the way you was raised. How could you? I'd never do that in a million years. That's my reaction towards my wife. When I sin against my wife, my reaction is, but you got to understand, there were extenuating circumstances. If you walked a mile in my shoes, you too could have fallen into the same trap. It's bizarre and stupid, isn't it? When someone sins against me, I have wrath. When I sin against somebody, I want mercy. But it's just that way. Forgiveness is un unforgiveness is unforgivable for the Christian. Now, I am, I should clarify, speaking to Christians in this message. If you don't have Christ, I, not only can I not instruct you, I have no idea on the basis by which you forgive. You see, the Christian has received something that they can then pass on to someone else, and that is the pardoning of the unpardonable. You and I have experienced in the gospel of Jesus Christ a forgiveness that is deeper than we could ever imagine. You and I, you and I don't understand how deeply we have been forgiven. We don't understand. In fact, when we come to God and ask, um, and we ask for forgiveness and we want to repent, let me tell you something. Our repentance is silly. We don't even understand what we're asking for. We don't even get how deep our sin is against God. We don't understand how deep the debt is. Let me give you an illustration of how silly our, we think our our sin is against God. Imagine with me for a second. Now I'm going to give you an illustration about how silly we think, how little we think our sin is. And then I'll get to how big everybody else's sin is. Imagine if right now I said, okay, so we have a packed house here today, and I'm going to, I'm going to say, okay, listen, um, it's, it's a full room. What I want you to do 
is I don't want anybody to stand up. I'm going to make a rule. It's called the no standing up rule. Don't anybody stand up. And the reason I don't want you to stand up is because I don't want you to distract the people around you. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to us, and I don't want you to be distracted. The rule is don't stand up. For the rest of this talk, don't stand up. What's the rule, guys? Don't stand up. And so after that, I start going on with the rest of this sermon, and one of you, the person sitting in your seat, gets up and walks over to me as I'm speaking and then stabs me seven times, okay? Then I collapse. By a miracle of God, I survive, but I have a colostomy bag for the rest of my life, and I can't, I'm paralyzed, right? You did a great job, right? And so you go to jail. 15 years have passed. You come out, and you go, you call me up. You get my number somehow. And I pick it up, and I'm astonished to hear your voice. You haven't talked to me. You haven't, the last time was the affront, the last experience we had was the affront, the sin that you committed against me. And so you call me up. You go, Ed, I've got to see you. You got tear, you know, you got a quake in your voice. You go, I, I, man, I, I, I turned to Christ, and Man, I, I just know, I, since I've been in jail, I had 15 years to think about this. Oh, man, I, I just need to ask for your forgiveness. Please, man, I'm just so sorry for what I did. Can I meet you face to face? And I go, sure. And then I hire like eight or nine bodyguards. <laughs> and you sit around 20 feet from me. I go, I can hear you. <laughs> I'm a little traumatized from our last interaction. So you come up to me, and this, is, and this is you, as genuine as you can be. Go, Edwin, man, I'm so sorry. I did this to you, man. I shouldn't have done it. I stabbed you, man. I, I, just, I, 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 could, I just feel so bad about this. You know, could you ever forgive me for breaking your standing up rule? how we look like when we go to God. We go, God, I can't believe I did this to you. I just, I can't believe it. I, I broke, I broke your lust rule. I'm so sorry. No, 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 you sent my son to his death. You, you think they sinned against you? Yeah, let me enumerate how you sinned against me, God says. You have no idea. It's a billion dollar debt. It's not until we see how profoundly we've sinned against God that when those who have sinned against us, do we actually have what it takes to actually extend forgiveness. Because I'm telling you, no one has ever sinned against me like I've sinned against God. And when I come to Christ, I come to him going, I've crucified the Holy One. I've sent to the death penalty, the one who did nothing but good to me, the creator. I sent to his demise because of my sin. And their lie to me is nothing in comparison to what I've done to him. I can forgive deeply because I've been forgiven so deeply. But this is exactly what this text 
is illustrating, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. So when we come to those who have sinned against us, and listen to me, and I'm going to give you qualifications and all that other stuff. There's, and we need to forgive everybody. We're commanded to forgive everybody, but there are some people who are dangerous, right? If, if you, if you, if you uh, uh, molested one of my children, and I, I really do have to ask Jesus to remind me of how I have, uh, how I've sexually treated his daughters throughout my life. And I have to ask for, you mean, the, the fury that I feel right now, the same fury that you felt when I was lying to, manipulating, and using women for my good pleasure? You mean, the same way I feel that now, you feel that now, and you felt it then? Do you see how profound this is? Only more so because you love your daughter's far more than I could ever love my daughters. God goes, yeah. So out of that overflow, I forgive that brother. Do I let him around my children? Anybody know? Of course not. Of course not. Do you understand the, the, you know, that, that forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation? And that's a really key point. Because some of us here right now are in codependent relationships and you think, oh my Look, God is speaking to me. I left him, but I should go back to him. I left her, but I should go back to her. And, and, and forgiveness doesn't, you need to forgive, for sure. Doesn't always mean reconciliation. It doesn't. It doesn't. Some people are dangerous to reconcile with. Does that make sense? So when someone comes up to me and sins against me, they're only giving me an illustration of what I have done unto God. Is this clear? So my forgiveness for them is not out of willpower. It's not out of trying. All right, I'm going to forgive you. Yeah, I'll see you at the next party. I forgive you. It's not this willpower stirring, trying to get strength to forgive. It's not that. It's a broken. You go. Is that, that's what I did to you? That's why you sent your son to the cross for me? Listen, you can't lie to me nearly as much as I've lied to Jesus. You simply can't. You can't manipulate me more, as much as I've manipulated Jesus. My wife has always asked me, why are you so patient with some of the people who come to our church? And by the way, don't test the theory, right? <laughs> don't, don't do that. I'm just saying, my wife has said this in the past. As I get older, I don't know how my patience is doing. But one of the reasons I've always been able to respond to her is because I see clearly that they're far better than I am. I just don't, I, I, I haven't met, and I tell you this all the time, I am the greatest sinner in this room. You cannot out me. I have sinned against my wife. I have sinned against my children. I have sinned against my father. I have sinned against my mother. I have sinned against best friends and great confidants. I have sinned in ways that if I told you, you wouldn't want me to be your pastor. And I suspect that you have sinned in ways that if you told me, I wouldn't want to be your pastor either. <laughs> We're all in the same boat, aren't we? 
so we need forgiveness. I promise you last week, I promise you this week, I promise you next week, you are going to be required to forgive someone. And some of the things are huge and some of the things are small, but you're going to be required to forgive them. And if you try to do it in your own power, what you will find is a low tank going to empty quick. But if you see them as just an illustration, don't you see? This guy was given an illustration. Do you see it in the text? Then, at, at this, the servant fell on his knees. Verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. And then God gave him the illustration. Verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. You see, immediately, you want, to test to see if, you want to test to see if you've received the deep forgiveness of God? God will give you illustrations of what you look like to him before he extended your forgiveness. And he saw, he saw himself. And this guy, this guy owed a lot of money. This is not a small amount. He, he, um, he owed him 100 silver coins. Let's call it $25,000. I don't know how much it was, but let's call it 20. It's not, it's not an insignificant sum, right? You owe me $25, you owe me a lot. But I tell you, if you owe me $25,000 and I've just been forgiven a billion dollars, I think, oh man, I'm ahead. $9,999,975,000. I'm ahead. Does that make sense? That, that in light, like if you come up to me and I don't have forgiveness, I don't know Christ. He has not washed away my sins. I've rejected Christ and I'm my own man. I've curled myself up by my own bootstraps. And then you come to me, I go, I have no basis by which to forgive you because I've never been forgiven $25,000. I never even owed anybody $25,000 because that's not the kind of person I am. And yet when I come to Christ, I go, oh no. This is this is an illustration of who I am, only very, very small. He was given this opportunity, this illustration that he was given. And what he should have done, he should have, he should have said, brother, brother, get off your knees. Get off your knees. I got a story to tell you. I got a story to tell you. I went to the king, and I owed the king a billion dollars. And he forgave me a billion dollars. And out of the, oh, I can't, if you owed me a billion dollars, I could forgive you and break even, but you don't. You only owe me 25 bucks. Give me a kiss. Give me a hug. I love you. You are forgiven. You don't owe me anything. And that man could have left. And they both, they both could have had a story. And then that man could have gone and somebody would have owed him 15000 and he said, stand up, brother. I have a story to tell you. I, have, I had come to my master, and I owed my master a sum that I could not repay. And he forgave it to you. Brother, give me a hug. Give me a kiss. Ah, you don't owe. And the joy would have been multiplied over and over. Listen, listen to me. The joy can be over. The joy of the forgiveness that we have in Christ can be multiplied over and over and over. You know it can be multiplied in your marriage? You know that? You know, your spouse 
They're not nearly as sinful to you as you are to, they're just not. As you are to Jesus, there's just no comparison. You are a billion dollar debtor. They are a $25,000 debtor, no doubt. And what would it look like? What would it look like if we said, spouse, wife, husband, come, stand up. No, 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 you don't understand. I'm not going to make you pay for what you, you say, you, let me tell you a story. Jesus, the lie, the sin, forgiven. You don't owe me anything. It would change your life. It would change your life. But this is, listen, the reason that we could say that we believe in the forgiveness of sins is because we ourselves have been forgiven deeply. If you have not been forgiven deeply, you don't, this doesn't even make sense. This is an offense to your ears. You don't know what they did to me. $25,000! To which we would all go, wow, that's awesome. That is an awesome amount of money. And if you told you, I promise you, if you came up here, the person sitting in your seat went to that microphone and said, and told us your sad story, we would all weep over the pain that you've gone through. But I want you to know this, that when you hold unforgiveness towards anyone in your life, they beat you twice. They beat you the first time with the $25,000 debt, and then, and then they rent space in your heart and in your mind for the rest of your life. And this, beloved, is not what I desire for you. This is not what Christ desires for you. This is not what God's word desires for you. Listen, the big idea today is simply this, just in case you didn't get it. I'm not sure if you're getting it. I hope you are. The proof that forgiveness has come to us is that forgiveness would be seen through us. The proof. I'm not saying, listen, if you forgive somebody else, it doesn't prove that you're in Christ. It doesn't doesn't, um, say that you're in Christ. In other words, for, the, the way to get into relationship with Christ is coming to Jesus, like I said, as a person who owes a billion dollars, asking for forgiveness for your sin debt, and then having him, that's what makes us, we rely totally on the mercy of Christ. But the proof that that has already happened in your life and mine is how willing I am to forgive others. In other words, the proof that forgiveness has come to us is that forgiveness would be seen through us. So what it'll be? What are you gonna do? You're gonna hold on to your. But you don't know what they did to me. I know, I know, and it was horrible. You gonna let them beat you again? So, let me give you some very practical steps, and I gotta do this quick. Oh, I wish we could spend days on this. This is. Listen, if you were in my office and we were sitting down. And I could look at you face to face. And I could talk to you and hear your story. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't say a word. I would just be quiet. By the way, if anybody is sharing their story to you, just it's a sacred thing. It's a sacred thing. Just listen to their pain. Listen to their suffering. The next few minutes is what I would encourage you to do. This is how I would counsel you. If you were in my car, if I was wiping away the tears, I would say, okay, let's look at this text and let's see how God would have us to turn to him and, and get victory, even over the greatest pains in our lives. So would you, in, 
Would you stick with me for five more minutes while we talk about how this practically looks like? Okay. So the first thing that we see in the text is that the people are identified. Do you see that with the, with the brother who owed? He goes, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants. Stop. Who are the people that owe you? What are their names? Is it, is it an institution? Is it a person? Is it an entire lineage of family members? Who is it? Who hurt you? And I know you're sitting there, you're going, no one hurt me. No, I'm all right. I already came over. I already got over this. And I just, I just, at that point, I just want to hug you. And I go, then why are you gritting your teeth like this? Like, I just want to go, just, you don't understand. If you haven't gone through a process to forgive, you don't forgive. You just, it's it, it, out of sight, out of mind, right? When you, when you forgive, you say, oh, yeah, I've forgiven that uncle. But why is it that when you go back to those family get-togethers and you see that uncle, stuff gets turned up inside of you? It's because forgiveness hasn't gotten deeper. And it, let me just tell you, forgiveness is not an event. Forgiveness is a way of life. There are people that I've forgiven 20 years ago that I've had to re-forgive just this last week. I just, it has to get deeper. It has to get more real. It has to get more true. So who are they? So the first thing I would tell you, and if you're taking notes, if you're not taking notes, you really should take notes. Um, uh, what I'm going to tell you, because I promise you everyone in this room is going to need, everyone who's listening to me right now is going to need what I'm about to tell you. I promise. First thing is identify who those who have sinned against you. Who owes you? Now, remember, when people sin against you, it's like they owe you. It's, it, it, it's done here in sort of monetary terms. You know what I mean by that, monetary terms? It's like financial transactions, right? You, have you ever done that? Right? You, you, you get an Amex, you get a MasterCard, you get a Visa, you take credit. Now you owe them. And then if you're like some people, you owe them with interest, Right? And so you owe them. Well, that's what it is. When you sin against me, you are creating a debtor-debtee relationship. Now you owe me something. So what's their name? Is it Sally? Is it Julie? Is it the teacher in the third grade who grabbed your hair in front of everybody? I don't know. Who sinned against you? What's their name? Oh, kind of, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you thought of their name as I was speaking, I promise you, you need to put their name down. Just write it down. Who, who are they? Secondly, secondly, here's the second thing you need to do. Qualify what they owe you. Qualify what they owe you. Here's what I mean by that. So if it's your dad, and your dad broke out when you were a young boy, and, and he, he never looked back, he never provided for you, he never gave you wisdom, and then, listen, my story is my father left when I was 11 years old. It is no coincidence that I drank my first beer had my first cigarette, um, and moved on to weed directly after that. There's no coincidence. By the time I'm 13, I'm doing coke. There's no co That is not a coincidence. I am in stolen cars and doing coke by the time I'm 13. There's, no, there's a direct correlation between pop not being there. and it, So there's some stuff. There's some wounds there. And so if I'm going to look at that, I'm going to say, okay, pa, here's what you owe me. You, you owe me wisdom. You owe me wisdom in the most crucial time of my life that I didn't get from you. You owe me wisdom. 
Because here's the thing, beloved. If you're not specific with this stuff, you'll never, you'll never be able to forgive it. It's like this. If my father came to my door and he said, Ed, um, I'm sorry for what I've done. Um, could you um, forgive me? Um, how can I pay you back for all I've done to you, your mom, your family? How can I pay you back? My first thought was, you can't pay it back. You can't give me 12 years old again. You can't give mommy her happy ever after again. You can't give all the, all the sin that I got myself into that you could have helped to prevent. You can't give me that back. Who owes you and what do they owe you? Get specific. What, do, what is the debt? If you call up right now your creditor, they'll say, yeah, um, hi, my name is Edwin Colon. And they'll go, we don't know you by Edwin Cologne. Give us your number. Because you're, you're, not, you're not even a person to them. You're a number. Don't get into debt. Uh, side note. Okay, so you call them up and you go, and how much do I owe? They say, listen, you owe $456.33 at the sound of the beep. Like, that's going to grow as, after the beep. But so you know, at the sound of the beep, it's $456.33. What do they owe you? Be specific. You can't cancel a debt unless you know what they owe you. Third thing. Here it is. Cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. Would you cancel the debt? Would you extend forgiveness? This might have to be done in a very creative way, especially if you've held on to it for 10, 15, 20, 25, 40 years. If you've held a grudge that big, you might have to. I'll tell you what I did. I was one time, when God confronted me with this forgiveness piece, I was on a boat. It was the first time. I didn't even know that the cancer existed in my soul. I was on a boat, um, and, and I just started to write. And, I, and, I, and in the first shot, all I had was four big names. I had four big By the way, by the way, don't be quick to point to the people who are right now next to you. Husband, you, wife, you, and maybe they do, maybe they do. But I want you to be, feel free to go back a few seasons, the big ones. Start there and then move on. So I had to write down, and I had four big names, and I wrote them down, and I wrote what they owed me, and I cried and I cried, and, I, and we were in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It was late at night. I was in the back of the boat. It was, no one was around, and I had this, these documents of what people owed me. And I remember thinking God spoke to my heart. And I said, God, I don't even know how to forgive them. He says, Edward, I want you to do what I've done with you. I want you to throw their sins into the sea of forgetfulness. That's what God has done with me. That's what he says. And I say, I'm going to throw your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Isn't that good? That your sins are thrown into the sea of forgetfulness and then God puts up a sign that says no fishing. Wow. Right? Isn't that good? Yeah, God does that for you. And so God instructed me, I, God instructed me, okay, Edwin, just throw it in the, the ocean. And I went in the back, and I'm telling you, it was so hard. I was there, and I was like, but you don't understand. And I'm telling this to God. You don't understand. They're going to think that this was okay. They're going to think that what they did to me was all right. They're going to think that because I gave them forgiveness, they'll never change. They have to pay. They owe me so much, $25,000. Oh, 
didn't even know what to do. And so I wept. <laughs> Sometimes when you don't know what to do, it's good to cry. And so I tore it up. And by God's grace, he reminded me about how much I had been forgiven. And he gave me grace to forgive. And since then, I've been able to deepen my forgiveness. Because remember I said it's not an event. It's a process. And you get you know, to one level, and then you find out there's another level of forgiveness, and there's another level of forgiveness, and another level of forgiveness. Those are the three things you have to do if you're going to be free from that cancer of your soul. You're going to have to identify who they are, this is going to take some work, folks. You're going to have to establish what they owe you. And then you're going to have to forgive the debt. And let me throw in a fourth one. Let me throw in a fourth one. Would you keep short accounts for the future? Would you keep short accounts? I promise you. I promise you. Today. Today. You're going to be on the line of people that are waiting to speak to me. And the person in front of you is going to really feel like sharing their story with me. And you're going to be right behind them. And you're going to wait 22 minutes later. And then you're going to walk off the line to get a juice because you figure you're going to need a little energy while they're speaking to me. And that person's going to be done. And the next person's going to come. And you're going to go, I can't believe it. You know, you're going to get upset and all that other stuff. And listen to me. Before you leave this place, you're going to be upset at somebody. Keep short accounts. Would you please keep short accounts? So that means when I'm driving home, for me, I either walk home or jog home. It helps me to process my thoughts. So that means when I'm going home, I get to reflect and I get to go, oh, God, they were disrespectful to me, but I know how many times I've been disrespectful to you. Would you help me to understand deeply how my disrespect has hurt you? And then out of the overflow of that forgiveness, let it just naturally overflow on them. Make sense? And that's what you're going to do. You're going to keep short accounts, those four things. Who are they? What they owe you? Um, cancel the debt. And then, and that's what God would have us to know about the forgiveness of sins, that we can forgive. We can forgive because we've been forgiven. In fact, the proof that forgiveness has come to us is that forgiveness would be seen through us. Would you say that with me three times? The proof that forgiveness has come to us is that forgiveness would be seen through us. Say it again. The proof that forgiveness has come to us is that forgiveness would be seen through us. One more time. The proof that forgiveness has come to us is that forgiveness would be seen through us. So who do you have to forgive? What do they owe you? Find a creative way to forgive them.